All right. It's great to have you here. You know, leisure wear is very, very popular. In fact, I read about it this past week. And they call it athleisure wear. So, the industry is just moving every year. 5% growth in the last five years. And I think it was like a $100 billion business last year. That's a lot of athletic wear, right? Yeah. And it's great. I mean, it's comfortable, stylish, uh, and maybe you're using it for exercise or <laughs> athletics. But it's interesting when you look at uh, how often this leisure wear is used. For example, like uh, yoga pants. Let's see here. Here we have yoga pants. They did a study and found that for every ten pair of yoga pants... Only one pair was used for yoga. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but it just seems kind of strange to, to buy athletic wear and not, you know, an exercise or you know, be involved in something of that nature. So it's similar in the church, unfortunately. There really is a, uh, a crisis in the American church. In a very, in fact, the biggest poll extensively done back, I don't know, five years ago, they found that 33% of Americans claim to be born again. Right? Not just evangelicals, but they're born again, which specifically speaks of the the new birth that we have in Jesus Christ that He so lovingly gives to us. Okay, so 33%, that's one out of three. Now let's think about this. Do we have 77 million, one-third of our population, are they practicing Christ's Father? Well, of course not. Now, how can, you, how can I say that? Well, you compare how many claim to be Christ followers, and you look at what's happening in our culture. I tell you, if one out of three people was a strong disciple, this nation would be totally different. And part of the problem is the church. The church has not talked about discipleship. They talked about the cost of discipleship. Uh, they've never really highlighted that, and it's kind of like, you know, you say your prayer and you kind of go on uh, with your life. And that uh, that's one of the things that really touched me as I've gone through the last couple of years, and we've been on this discipleship journey. I mean, you know, God has done a new work in me. God has refreshed me. God has... Uh, given me a new passion for ministry. And it's all about making disciples. Now, we were doing that before, but not as intentionally as we plan 
to do. So we're not necessarily a church that just come out to to hang out with, right? But the point is, is that we are disciples. And disciples make disciples. And so we want to clarify, we want to really carefully think through, okay, well, how do you make a disciple? If you guys look in your programs, we have a brochure there. Thank Rich for his work on this. And in that brochure, there are several questions that are asked. I have a brochure. Please, anybody? Oh, God bless you, sir. All right, so take out this brochure. All right? And this kind of summarize what we've been talking about over the last three weeks. So, you look there and it says, what is a disciple? We've talked a lot about that. Shares Jesus with others, loves others by spiritually investing in them, worships God daily through spirit-empowered obedience, studies and lives out God's Word, studies, uh, serves others, the spiritual gifts, and cultivates a relationship with Christ. So our learning leadership team has been meeting for the last 18 months on a monthly basis, and after studying the Scriptures, uh, that's what we pulled. These are all biblical principles, obviously. And uh, the R plus 2D we'll talk about in a little bit. And then you have the four different areas of the design, of the pathway that we've been talking about. So, Let's talk through this, and I would love to have you guys uh, fill this particular communication slip out. And basically, uh, it just kind of says, you know, where are you on the spiritual pathway? You know, what we're doing is we're kind of developing a curriculum, uh, a, a project. How do we bring a person in? who doesn't know the Lord, and they discover the joy of knowing God, how do we train them to be a disciple? In like three to five years. That's the whole idea here. So we're really going to get intentional about encouraging people to take the next step. The next step to grow closer to Christ. So you look at the connect portion, and... It's regularly attend worship services at Springbrook. I can share how I came to faith in Christ. Have been through starting point. So again, if you would, I'd appreciate it if you could check those things uh, that you've experienced or uh, build as a skill. Uh, Grow, have you been baptized and a member of Springbrook? That's another spiritual step. Uh, connected to a Springbrook small group. Another spiritual step. Have a daily routine of Bible reading and prayer. How are we all doing with the Bible challenge, spending 15 minutes with God and His Word? I was reading in uh, Mark 4 with the blended plan. You can go on our website and see what the plan is. 
about the uh, parable of the soils. It was fascinating to see how different people receive the Word of God. And it appears like they're Christians, but they're really not. But in the good soil that God has prepared, again, they have come to Christ. In fact, I was talking to Michelle Howe, our children's director, just before the 9 o'clock service, and she told me that a 10-year-old boy had committed his life to Christ. There you go, huh? Yeah. It's, I mean, you want people to come to Christ as kids, right? So you can train them and so you can prepare them uh, for life. And so disciple-making is happening all over this place, right? We have our service here. We have our kids being discipled in large group and small groups. And the youth group is on a retreat, snow days, somewhere up in Wisconsin. <laughs> so you can always pray for Matt, especially, and the adult leaders <laughs> when they're on a winter. I mean, it's fun and everything, but, you know, it's a little tiring. So pray that they would be filled with wisdom and uh, new excitement about the disciple trip that they're on. Equip. What are the questions there? Can articulate my top three spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are so important because your spiritual gift is a job description for you as a Christ follower. So if I have the gift of teaching... My job is to teach, obviously, but it's also to continue to be a better teacher because that's what God has given me to work with. And then beyond that, I teach others about teaching, people who don't have the gift of teaching because God has graced me with the gift of teaching. I can Help other people feel comfortable in teaching and train them. So, can you articulate your top three spiritual gifts? Serving in ministry, that's Springbrook. That's another spiritual step you take under equip. Someone's investing in me and I'm investing in one or two others. That's what we hope becomes more common. If I multiply, effectively share my faith with others. you feel confidence in being able to do that if someone asks you a question for the reason that you believe? Well, that's something we would like our disciples to do. Serving in ministry at Springbrook. Or, excuse me. Uh, have been trained in the ways of the alongsider. That's our, our training for our alongsider huddles. And I have a passion for unchurched people and seeing others grow in their faith. Again, I would appreciate it if you filled that out. If you feel so comfortable, and put it in the offering bag as it goes by, and it will help us as a church kind of get a bigger picture of where people are at on the discipleship journey and, and where we need to put more energy uh, because a lot of people aren't experiencing uh, one of the things uh, that we talked about. But again, this is this is really exciting, you know. I mean, you can look at this and you can say, okay, 
what's my next spiritual step on the discipleship pathway? And again, it's not a linear type of thing. We have to go down one by one. I mean, you go where the Lord leads you to go. But again, we want to always encourage people to take the next spiritual step, the next step in discipleship. And that's how you make disciples, is you encourage people and uh, help them uh, go through things like baptism. A lot of people don't feel comfortable with baptism, and so we have a baptism class, and you know the pastors interact with others who are struggling with baptism. So, yeah, we're not saying get up there and do it. We're saying, hey, let's talk about this. You know, what do you believe? You know, and this is what the Bible teaches we believe and uh, work through that. Sometimes it's just getting up on stage. <laughs> you know, that's one of the main things. But isn't it beautiful? We have a baptism coming up on February uh, 19th. And I think we have a class on February 12th. They can come to at 1030 and Pastor Rich... Uh, we'll bring you uh, through that. So that is our discipleship pathway. And again, we are going to be looking at this a lot as, as, uh, as the way we teach. And, and really, I mean, the church is to make disciples, right? So everything will kind of be framed up in that way. So that we actually change our culture. The more we talk about disciple making and these next steps and fresh bread and those type of things, we're, we're all going to have a different orientation toward how we come to church. It's not like, oh, we just come to church and learn and, and maybe involved in a few things. But you see the bigger picture of what God is trying to do through you. Remember we talked about this Oh, this is a picture of a disciple. We're right through that. Starting point, February 12th. Uh, love to have you join in there. Uh, this is a discipleship bullseye. This is a very complicated math equation. No, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand this. R plus 2D plus 3A. R plus 2D plus 3A. Let's say that together. Ready? R plus 2D plus 3A. This is the formula that you need to have in your life in order to grow as a disciple. So the first R is relationships. Relationships. We need relationships to grow. You know, we've known people who've just grown away from the church, but you cannot disciple yourself, okay? It's a group process. Like if we had the Super Bowl and just one person came out for the Atlanta Falcons, and you say, oh, why even say that? It's stupid. But I tell you what, there's a lot of Christ followers that feel that way. Got their Bible, devotionals, podcasts, sermons, you know, one friend, that is not discipleship. Okay? Jesus Christ is calling us to a higher standard. And the problem in the states is that we lowered the standard. Well, 
we're going to raise a standard and encourage you. And again, uh, we're going to you know, talk to you about your spiritual life. And I like to have to have to do these things, but we just want our whole ministry to be talking about where are you on the discipleship pathway. Now, we talked last week about small groups and a longsider huddle. Now, the alongsider huddle is a new, a new ministry to help people grow in the Lord. So there's three differences between small groups and alongsider huddles. Small groups, six to twelve people. Right? Alongside our huddle, no more than three to four people. Because again, when you're huddled together and there's three or four of you, there's a much better chance that people are going to be more open about where they're struggling in life and where they need help. So that's one of the unique differences. And then regular commitment to high commitment, regular commitment to a small group. Okay, you come out to a small group, and uh, sometimes you miss, and you know, life happens, all that kind of thing. Sometimes you do the homework, right? But in a, a long sight or huddle, there's a high commitment. I mean, if you can't make it, they might just change the date so you can make it. So when you sign up for one of these, high commitment. And as you... Raise a standard in your own life, you will grow. Now, the third thing that's different is the three A's. Application, accountability, and affirmation. Now, these things do happen in small groups. Sometimes it's based on the leader. Uh, again, whatever they choose to do. So, I mean, obviously there's application that happens in small groups. Someone might say, well, now I understand that. I really need to uh, change that area of my life. And then there's accountability. Accountability. Now, sometimes in a small group that happens, somebody shares about a particular need that they have, and everybody prays about it. And the next week they come back and say, well, how'd it go? How'd it go? But sometimes it doesn't happen in small groups. Affirmation, of course, happens in all groups. But again, it's that application, accountability, and affirmation that really makes these alongsider huddles uh, unique and powerful. Because accountability is everything, right? Uh, as you know, I've struggled with my weight throughout the years. And uh, I was thinking about it, and I said, the last time I really lost a lot of weight was when I went to Weight Watchers. To the actual meetings. I was the only guy there, you know. And so <laughs> they, you know, they would talk and recipes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it came to the point where I was only coming to be checked in for my weight, right? I'd come late, get checked for my weight, and leave. And that was enough for me of accountability to get me going in the right direction. And I use Weight Watchers online for men. I said, oh, this is great. You know, to pay as much, and this will work for me. But there was no accountability. Right? Right? So, you need to pray for me. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll join Weight Watchers again. 
But accountability is key to growing in Christ. Let's just review what we talked about last week, how special we are. God created me. He created you. What a beautiful gift. Then, of course, Adam and Eve sinned, and God had to redeem us through Jesus Christ to buy us back to pay the penalty of the sin through His Son. And then God adopted me. You're part of the family of God. All the privileges that come with it. And then God designed me. In the womb, He was designing me for a particular future and how I could impact the world for Jesus. And then God gifted me. When I became a Christ follower, He gave me probably one or two or three spiritual gifts in varying degrees. But He gifted me. And then He commissioned me. So you look at, okay, who are we in Christ? And I would encourage all of you. In fact, we have a document on the website where you can find the sermons. It's uh, Identification in Christ. It's just a download of the Word document. But I would encourage you to go download that document and study it every day. Because, friends, this is one of the areas where we're really weak as a church in terms of teaching people. The world is telling you this is how you could determine whether you're effective, you're valuable. But that's the wrong criteria. We need to see who we are in Christ. And that's totally different. And, and, and as you meditate, you memorize those verses, you own them. It's going to change the way you view your life. It's not about this life, right? We're just strangers pathing through uh, an alien country. And we're called to be ambassadors, right? Donald Trump's been picking out some ambassadors. Well, he's called all you to be ambassadors to whatever you do during the day. Ambassadors of Christ. And then God commissioned to me, what? You move that forward for me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples. So, if someone were to ask you, you know, what's the Christian life all about? You know, like, what's the goal? Well, we make disciples. Well, you do. How do you make a disciple? Well, you know, we... We pray for people that they would make that decision to follow Jesus Christ and repent and believe. And then we encourage them along the way. And we involve them in Christ-centered relationships. And we encourage them to take the next step in the spiritual pathway. Again, it's the end product we're looking at. Begin with the end in mind. Well, we define that. And now... We're going to go on a venture to see, okay, how is that practical? How, how can we encourage everyone to always be thinking about that next step? And this is God's working through a whole new process here. So this is just the beginning of the development 
of it. Second Timothy 2, 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The core verse on disciple-making, he's talking to Timothy. Paul's writing to him. Timothy is a young pastor. And he says, what you have heard from me. He had heard a lot from Paul, right? Because <laughs> Paul was discipling Timothy. In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. So again, as I talked about before, when you're listening to myself or another teacher or podcast, that kind of thing, you need to be listening and thinking about, okay, where does God want me to apply this uh, to my life? But also you're thinking, okay, I'm learning this stuff so I can teach other people. Right? You have a disciple-making family. Where you're discipling the kids like those three triplets, beautiful kids. And, and that was a gross step. They said, hey, we're going to publicly acknowledge that these children belong to God, and we will do all it takes to help them become stronger disciples. So this, again, is a paradigm shift within what the church has been teaching. A lot of churches, a lot of evangelical churches have been saying, hey, it's all about you, right? I mean, Christianity is the best self-improvement program that has ever come across (laughs) to us. And so you can have a way better life if you call Jesus Christ your favor. I, I was thinking about uh, uh, Joel and Victoria Osteen. As you know, they're pastors of the largest church in the United States, 52,000 people. They bought a sports complex and they've got 16,800 seats. And they're both extremely gifted. And I'm thankful for their ministry. At the time, I have a deep concern about their ministry. Because everything that I've seen is appealed, or they're appealing uh, to your desires. You know, that God's going to fix your problems, and God's going to do this. and, And it's partially true, but the problem is, they never talk about the cost of discipleship. I mean, he wrote, the best life ever. Well, <laughs> that's not what it says in the Gospels, right? It says, hey, it's going to be a rough road being a Christ follower. You need to take up your cross. And uh, then she wrote, um, love your... Uh, love, love your life. Now, friends, that is all <laughs> identifying with our desires to be able to control our life. And, you know, Joel Osteen just has an incredible gift of teaching. 
And he constantly preaches hope and confidence. I know that some of you people listen to him, and that's fine. But you've got to realize that, you know, he's out of balance. Because I have not heard him say anything about the cost of discipleship and my limited exposure to his sermons and what I've read about him. It's like he's trying to lower the bar so much that people will become a Christ follower, but for all the wrong reasons. And that's what the evangelical church has. We've lowered the bar. We have not asked people to be accountable. We have not challenged them, encouraged them, uh, helped them to that next spiritual growth step. So, yeah, if you ever listen to them, just make sure that they're kind of out of balance. <laughs> I should go back and see if I can find... Uh, John 16:24. In any of the messages, and Jesus told his disciples, "If anyone would come after me, that's the first step. You identify who Jesus Christ is. You identify the work that God did on the cross, and you come after him. You seek him out. Then it says, let him deny himself." Deny myself? I'm not into that, really. You know, I mean, let's say you 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 guys are going out to play golf, and a special project comes up that your wife wants you to do, and you don't want to do it because it's not on your agenda. Doesn't seem to add any value to your life, right? Yeah. So, you go play golf. But self-denial is saying, okay, this is a worthy project. It's, it should be done this weekend, so I'm canceling my golf outing. That's self-denial. Or when uh, someone's critical of you. Someone is saying things about you, and, and you naturally want to reach out and say, Stop that! But you put that in God's hand and say, God, I'm going to wait until you direct me. That's self-denial because we want to go right after an issue, right? Or giving 10% of your income, as we talked about last year. 10%. It's kind of the bottom, per se. And, and when you give 10%, I'll tell you, you are denying yourself. You're denying yourself. You know what denying yourself is really all about? It's about lordship. A decision many times made later than your salvation decision because you come to a great understanding of what the Christian life is all about. But basically you're saying, God... I want to follow your plan. I don't care if I suffer because of it. I want to do what you want me to do, to do because you've created me and you've redeemed me and uh, you've 
gifted me, designed me. You've given me a commission to make disciples. So that's going to be the focus of my life. Not my job. Not my family necessarily. I mean, ask me, what's the most important thing that you should do on earth? I'd say, we'll make disciples, right? Now, again, God wants us to love our families and to love uh, things that are enjoyable. But when it comes right down to it, we are called to make disciples. A lot of people, you know, complain about teaching sometimes because they said, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. But they are not practicing it. You see, the Christian life is full of spiritual disciplines. And if you're going to grow deep with God, you need to start practicing those. And again, it's a pathway. It takes time. You just have to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, where am I at? And what's the next step that you want me to take? And it says, take up His cross. Crucifixion was very common in that day. The Romans had... uh, perfected it to the ultimate torture. In fact, Jesus Christ and his disciples went up to the Caesarea Philippi area where just in the last several years 100 people have been crucified. In fact, during Christ's lifetime, there were 30,000 people that were crucified. So when he says, take up His cross, they've seen it. They've seen the crucifixions. They they see the guilty one carrying the crossbow. So, when they look at that, they don't necessarily think about family problems or illness or anything that. They view that as persecution. Persecution. As you know, in that particular day, uh, a lot of Christians died. A lot of persecution. Just as we've seen the Islamic, or excuse me, ISIS martyr so many Christ followers. And again, as I've said, the Bible says that's the greatest thing you could do in your life is to suffer for Jesus. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're taking up His cross. The world didn't love Him. The world still does not love Him. But as you go out from day to day, you identify yourself as a Christ follower. Have you done that? I mean, do your neighbors know? Do your friends know? Does, you know, people at your work know? And not just that you're a Christ follower, but that you're actively engaged in making disciples. You talk about God and your love for Him and how much He's doing in your life. And friends, if you share that with people, they're going to think you're weak. You have to have a crutch. I can do it on my own. If you need the crutch, that's fine. 
probably not as uh, mentally sharp, you know, as I am. You get into different issues, you know, like uh, abortion, homosexuality, uh, different hot buttons. The biggest one is that Jesus is the only way to God. Oh, man, they'll rip you up for that one. How close-minded can you be saying Jesus is the only one of God when, hey, there's all kinds of religions out there. Who are we to judge? Who are we to say this is the truth? You're not thinking. Uh, You're not being sensitive to others. And as your years roll by, there will be more of this. And, you know, you will experience persecution. Maybe lose your job. I don't know. But again, that's, that's a discipleship framework. We don't often think of that. Oh, how can I be persecuted today? <laughs> right? Yeah. And finally, follow me. Obey me. Claim me as your Lord. You have to choose to be a disciple on a daily basis. Right? It's a choice every day. Because your your flesh is always (laughs) saying, hey, let's go this direction. And you say, yeah, that looks pretty good. But, wait. I'm a Christ follower, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to do that. Or you have a sinful pattern in your life. Yeah, you don't really think it's a big deal. You've rationalized it in a way, and you think God understands. But God doesn't understand, <laughs> right? Because it's sin. And therefore... You need to have others around you, maybe just a couple people, that will keep you accountable in what area you're struggling in and, and read Bible verses and pray that God would give you strength in overcoming that area of your life. Discipleship is what we do. And I promise you that through God's power, I will do everything I can to encourage people, to give grace to people, to say you've got to keep making spiritual steps forward or you're stalled out. I say that in the right situation and the person you know Let's say they leave the church. They're so offended. Well, (laughs) Jesus Christ, you know, he came down and he said, you know, people are going to persecute you. Families are going to break up. They're going to disown you. Like being baptized in that day was really, and I shouldn't do that, but Jesus Christ, that put a marker on you. Are you used to having a marker on you? Maybe that's why a lot of us keep quiet. 
because we know the price we'll have to pay. But it's the very price that God is so encouraged by. If we could have our ushers come forward at this time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for how You've grown me in the last two years. Help me to see uh, the charge to make disciples in a new way, about being intentional about it. Lord, thank You for this wonderful family. So receptive and so much want to grow. We all struggle, yeah. Lord, we want to trust You. And I pray for anyone here who has not made the Lordship decision in their life. They're still treating their Christianity like a hobby instead of a lifestyle. I pray as they're convicted that they would humble themselves and learn a totally different way of looking at life. In Christ's name, amen.